0: Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business.
1: Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of leading conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business channel. Now, here's your host, Cheryl Esposito.
2: Good morning and welcome everyone and I'd like to welcome my guest this morning, Angelus Arian. Angelus is a cultural anthropologist, educator, consultant around the world, and an author of many books which include Fourfold Way, Walking the Path of Warrior, Healer, Visionary, and Teacher. Uh, most recently, The Second Half of Life, uh, Opening the Gates, The Eight Gates of Wisdom and um, many others that we can chat about as we move through the hour. Angelus, welcome.
3: Oh, thank you very much. It's my honor and privilege to be here this morning.
2: Uh, likewise, for sure. Um, we're going to spend this hour looking at what business can learn from ancient cultures. Um, there obviously is a lot of material to draw from in this uh, in this globe in this world. Um, what's happening in business these days um, seems to be pretty complex, and um, we're going to look at what are some of the things that maybe we can take the complexity out of and bring it down to some simple um, ways of being in the world so that business can be successful and serve, and serve our society. Um, Angela, let's just start with a real basic um, to help people understand a little bit about your work. Um, what does cultural anthropology have to do with business?
3: Basically, um, cultural anthropology uh, is taking a look at uh, uh, within each culture and across cultures uh, what do we have uh, in common in the values that we transmit to each other. Every uh, culture, for example, has um, uh, a governance model uh, which is leadership uh, and that's the old-fashioned term for leadership is the warrior. So the way of the warrior is really a training uh, in uh, leadership, and every culture of the world has an educational model, um, uh, which is the way of the teacher, and every culture has a medical model or an alternative medicine, folk medicine model, and usually those two run together simultaneously, and that's the way of the healer. And every culture has a commitment um uh, to the visionary uh, through the creative arts, the performing arts, are manifesting our life dream and our gifts and talents.
2: And so would you say that um, at different times and different cultures, one of those four models may be at the forefront more than the other three? They're given more, more due or more attention?
3: Well, I think that uh, what really happens is that uh, they're all running parallel <laughs> at the same time or they're actually uh, uh, being woven together um, because uh, 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 education requires leadership. Uh, so does um, anyone really involved in the medical sector requires leadership and anyone that's involved uh, in the performing arts or... Um, whether it's, uh, sports or, uh, uh, music or art or writing, um, um, you know, and, and it involves our stewardship and our leadership. So in many ways, leadership is the way of bringing all of them, uh, together. It's, and it's interesting that, uh, all of them, uh, impact each other. So they're, they're being, woven together and it's interesting to me that uh, many traditional people say well life will be very simple if you just follow four principles one is showing up um, uh, Woody Allen said that 80% of success was showing up and uh, <clears throat> but it, that's the warrior's way or the leader's way is, uh, in order to be an effective leader we have to be visible and be willing uh, to show up and uh, once we show up, then we can do the second principle, which is to pay attention to what has heart meaning, which is the healer's way. And um, I won't know what has heart meaning unless I show up in the third. If I show up and pay attention to what heart, has heart meaning, then I can move to the third principle, which is the visionary's way of giving voice to what I see, is to tell the truth without blame or judgment. Mm. And then the last, which we all have a challenge with, is if I show up and pay attention to what has heart and meaning and tell the truth, then I can be open to outcome, not attached outcome. I can plan well and prepare well and be open to outcome, which is uh, the, way, the wisdom way or the way of the teacher.
2: Mm-hmm. And if you look at our our organizations today, whether they're corporate organizations or small organizations, um, do you see that there is a, a good representation of these principles showing up?
3: Well, I think uh, showing up, uh, following what has heart meaning, telling the truth, and being open to outcome. I um, I, I think organizations or communities or uh, family groups have difficulty. Uh, You know, some of us are great at showing up and uh, 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 telling the truth and following what has heart meaning, but uh, we're not open to outcome. We're driving for a solution that benefits ourself rather than the greater whole. Um, Others of us are very good at um, being open to outcome and paying attention to what has heart meaning and showing up, but have difficulty in uh, speaking from the authentic voice or telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to see where, you know, an effective leader has to be able to show up and pay attention to what has heart meaning and tell the truth and be open to outcome. And that's, that's rigorous work. <laughs> It is
2: rigorous work. It that means that leader has to know their own truth.
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: and has to do their own personal work. Um, I know that you've worked with leaders around the world um, in large organizations, um, profit and nonprofit, and I'm sure you have seen some of the challenges they encounter as they face these principles and try to look at how they apply it in their work and in their life. Do you have a sense, or have have you? What have you seen in terms of their biggest challenge?
3: I think the well, there are several um, trends or, or challenges, but um, I think what what's exciting is that there's uh, an aperture um, o- that's opening uh, uh, where uh, leaders are really wanting to learn from other leaders. Uh, because um, they're wanting uh, to move into more um, knowledge about well what has worked for you you know uh, there's a, a real turn to taking a look at what's been working because it's so in um, the crisis of leadership uh, of what's not working and right uh, there's more of an emergence of, of really wanting, uh, to learn from and with and by each other. I see a lot of leaders really wanting to come together to talk about what they've learned mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what they are learning. And I think that's a, a, a very uh, important thing because I think the huge challenge is that not one person anymore can uh, solve uh, the problems that are emerging. Uh, and we're needing uh, to learn more about how to work collaboratively in solving problems. And another challenge is to bring in uh, more intergenerational perspectives and diverse perspectives because that's what's needed in solving problems, mm-hmm. as many diverse lenses as possible uh, and perspectives and points of view in order to Uh, garner the elegant solutions that uh, uh, we're needing at this time.
2: One of the things that I experience as I work with clients around the world is that there are differing uh, definitions of what um, has heart and meaning and differing definitions of what is truth. And, um, And there's a big push in organizations to get to outcome, as you said, about solving problems, the push to solve problems, as opposed to doing what's good for the whole. And I'm
3: curious about what CEOs, you're a CEO, you're, you're CEO of your own organization. Yeah, my foundation for right? cultural education and research. Uh-huh.
2: Exactly. And so how do you integrate these principles into your work? You have deadlines. You have expectations that people have of you. Um, What do you personally do? How do you do that?
3: Well, I've been really touched by um, uh, the work of uh, Spinoza, and someone asked him, how do you track uh, meaning? Uh, And Spinoza said, oh, that's a huge question, and I'll take a, uh, a year to really explore that, and then we'll come back together and talk about it with his yeah. colleagues and and what he found uh, were three questions which I've used a lot mm-hmm. uh, to see that I'm on track with uh, uh, both my personal work and my professional work and uh, uh, he says that at the end of every day we should uh, track what uh, has been really meaningful for us and he felt that these were the three great questions that I uh, would track meaning what made me happy today and it's very interesting he says not who made me happy but what made me happy uh, beyond uh, relationship and it's important to track that for meaning mm. and then the second uh, where did I experience comfort and balance and quiet mm. and peacefulness today or solace and then the last who or what inspired me today mm and um i think it's it's uh another tool that's really helped me a lot is that nature's rhythm is medium to slow and we're creatures of nature and so it's been very important especially when there have uh, been many confluences coming into my work and <clears throat> many different deadlines is to realize that and uh, that anything that's that, at that my gate I can handle, otherwise it wouldn't be there, but also to recognize that uh, nature's rhythm is medium to slow, and there's a lot I can do in the fast lane, but there are two things I can never do in the fast lane, and I have to slow down, which is to deepen my experience and to integrate my experience. And um, so when there's a lot on my plate, uh is when I slow down well thanks Angela we'll be back
2: in just a moment
3: sure
0: from the stock market floor to your computer you're listening to voice america business
1: It has been said that to live is to choose, but to choose well, you must know who you are and what you stand for, where you want to go, and why you want to get there on Reap What You Sow with host, performance management specialist, and executive coach, Alana Daly. Achievement and success through expanding yourself and your life is available at the click of a mouse. Reap through redefining your goals. Educate your mind, your body, your conscious, and unconscious. Apply what you learn and plan, and it shall be success over and over again, and wealth result when you reap regularly reap what you sow with alana daily broadcast each thursday at 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern on the voice america business channel reap what you sow learn the rules of the game then play better than anyone else
4: Voice America
0: Business 401's Stock, Mortgage, Retirement, Wealth We cover it all Voice America Business
1: We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today If you would like to participate in today's conversation Please call us now at 1-866-472-5790 That's 1-866-472-5790 Now back to your host, Cheryl
2: Welcome back. We're speaking with Angela Arian this morning, cultural anthropologist, corporate shaman, and, um, author of The Way of the Warrior. I'm sorry, Angela, author of The Fourfold Way, The Way of the Warrior, Visionary, Teacher, and Healer. And we were just speaking about the four principles, the four universal principles in, um, regards to how CEOs can use these, and you yourself, as a CEO, can put these into practice. The three questions that you mentioned at the end of the day that Spinoza says that you should um, use to track meaning, I find that interesting. It certainly doesn't have anything to do with um, what were the what were the numbers at the bottom line.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, the numbers always have stories to tell, and it's good to check those stories at the bottom uh-huh. of the bottom line. Uh, and so,
2: it, hearing you say that, then that means that perhaps we need to look at the information we get, the data we get, as in the numbers, at the bottom line, or who are the who's the customer, or how many people are buying a product, or right. tuning in, et cetera. We need to look at them through new filters, maybe in new ways.
3: Is it through these questions? These three questions? uh, Most assuredly, I I think these three questions could uh, uh, support that. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So if I'm a CEO and at the end of the day I'm saying, um, so what made me happy beyond relationships? Well, we hit our sales targets. Yeah. (laughs) Really? Okay. Really? Okay. So it's not about denying, you know, the act, the form of business.
3: Oh, not at all. Bad, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, where did I experience peace or comfort or balance today? Could be, you know, uh, the incredible satisfaction that that comes from maybe negotiating uh, a new possibility or a new opportunity. Uh, and who and what inspired me today? It uh, really tracks where there's fire in my work, oh. uh, and because inspiration is a, uh, a source of or fire, Uh, and I I love that the spiritual traditions of the world uh, speak of the four fires, the fire of vision and the fire of the heart, and the creative fire and the soul fire, and the creative fire, they even add a metaphor, it's the fire that takes no wood, and uh, so, you know, some of us... uh, um you know work is very satisfying and it's very inspiring and it's um, and it's uh and it makes us happy you know uh, uh Khalil Gibran said you know work is love made visible and those of us who are blessed uh to do what we love in our work you know we're seized by a fire and these three questions uh can apply to work they can apply uh, to our relationships they can apply to finances they can apply to our health hmm. as well
2: mm-hmm.
3: health and well-being
2: health and well-being
3: you said earlier that
2: nature is the speed of nature is medium to
3: slow Yeah. and that um, nothing moves in the fast lane in nature except uh, when it's in danger okay. and then it'll move for 15 or 20 minutes but not For months or years.
2: (laughs) Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And so how do we then reconcile this world we live in? I mean, the fact that we even have something we call a fast lane on the freeway, you right. know, is symbolism right for right. how we live and um, the faster, harder makes it better uh, mentality of you know our world, our business. How do we reconcile this if we are creatures of nature and the speed of nature is slow to medium, and yet the expectation is that we're fast lane runners? What do we do?
3: Well, I think what's interesting um, um, time is um, uh, something that is humankind created and it's also, uh, many of us have had the experience where uh, we've planned uh, to do something during the day and something took much uh, longer than we thought it would or it took uh, a time collapse, and it, it didn't take as long as we had planned. And I think there's a lot of self-imposed pressure around uh, that comes in the fast lane. Is um, uh, that can be uh, uh, done with a lot of grace and ease and flow, rather than with a lot of tension, anxiety, and pressure. And um, uh, I think that um, it's important for us to, you know, uh, to begin thinking, you know, can I move with grace and ease and flow today rather than with a a lot of anxiety and um, pressure and self-imposed kind of importance to get it all done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, it, it... it uh the kind of urgency or immediacy you know just in the last ten years with faxes and with right. emails and uh uh you know what is my capacity for you know we got along just fine without all of that immediacy hmm. um.
2: There's a current generation that has no clue what we're talking about.
3: Yeah, that's <laughs> they right. Have no
2: clue what it's like to not have this medium, yeah. which is which is fascinating to me.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah they walk, they walk around, and, and sorry to those of you who are listening who are younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see this younger generation walking around with their um, um, phones and you know instant messaging. Just glued to the hip. I mean, you know, there's a, they can't function without it. And so I'm wondering what that then, how that informs the development of our culture as we move forward.
3: Well, I think it's interesting. One thing that the pluses of that is uh, that there's more communication. And which, where there is more communication, there's usually more connection, and where there's more connection, there's relationship building, and where there's more relationship building, then there's more creativity mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's that's being harnessed. And I think uh, what's very interesting is that a lot of what we could really be doing, uh, which we find um, a, as we achieve some kind of uh, of um, wisdom and experience the years is that uh, really uh, what we have to, uh, to do during the day could be really accomplished in four or five hours. Really? Yeah, And uh, but basically many of us do not use our time well uh, and we don't operate uh, to the natural rhythm of the brain, which is we'll say, well, this morning I'm going to work on this project for three hours, but the natural rhythm of the brain to stay with one topic is really 90 minutes. (coughs) And so after 90 minutes, we'll we'll make a phone call, we'll go to the bathroom, we'll fix tea, uh, but we won't stay with the project every 90 minutes uh, and usually every half hour within that 90 minutes, uh, the brain is is wanting a diversity of activity within the subject that we're dealing with. And um, indigenous peoples uh, of the world really recognize that there's a lot that y- you can intend to in one day if you stay in your natural rhythm, which is medium to slow. You have time for work. You have time for relationship. You have time for yourself. Uh and, uh, if you live in a, uh, an indigenous community is that everything gets done from summer ice to sunset, but there's a lot of grace and ease and flow and relationships if somebody comes by, you spend some time talking to them. Um, so now we're doing that by cell phone or we're doing that by the, uh, internet, uh, learning how to communicate, uh, in a more consistent, you know, the the plus is the consistency. It may not be the quality, maybe quantity uh, more than quality, but at least there's an attempt uh, to connect.
2: Well, that's fascinating, and that then speaks to how we educate, um, the way we learn. Right. Um, it speaks to all the meetings that go on in organizations all day long. Um, you know people sit in meetings all day long and are mostly distracted right and um and so it sounds like the way we design meetings and the purpose for meetings um, maybe needs to be a little more intentional
3: yeah it really um, oh, really does um, i i think it's exciting uh uh to think about um, that one of the Real, uh, amazing things that we, uh, have at this time is to move out of description into prescription is that many people, uh, in conversations are talking about what's not working but not bringing forward, uh, creative solutions mm-hmm. and how to shape shift that. And so meetings that are, are not well planned with, uh, next steps and, um, um accountabilities uh, are ineffective Uh, the Navajo people would say it's like a floating cloud because it it diffuses there's no Mm -hmm. action or outcome uh, that comes from it and we're involved in a lot of conversations um, uh, where there are no actions or next steps Uh or creative solutions to what we're chronically complaining about. If we could harness all the conversations of where we're chronically complaining without bringing forward creative solutions, we would be living in a different world and we would also be working differently.
2: Well, I want to move into the, um, after break, I want to move into the subject of the global village and how we are, or not, having conversations that matter. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business.
1: The economy and financial markets continue to expand in both their size and complexity, but being able to anticipate changes in the markets for housing, jobs, and financial assets remains a crucial ingredient to our financial well-being. On The Economy and the Markets, with economist, investment strategist, portfolio manager, and host, Doug Cliggett, utilizes his 25 years of experience with that of his highly informed guests to provide clear, reasoned explanations of current events. To navigate the markets that influence our lives every day of the week, tune into The Economy and the Markets with Doug Cleggett broadcasting each Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The Economy and the Markets, clear thoughts in the complex world. together in conversations that make a difference right here on the voice america business channel every friday morning at 10 a.m pacific standard time
0: keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business this is voice america business
1: We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
2: Welcome back. We're with Angelus Arian this morning. Angelus, we were just speaking about um, how organizations don't use their... The advantage of the brain power and of the flow of the natural energies of the brain, um, specifically related to meetings and creating creative solutions and outcomes, and I'm wanting to take this to a a little bit higher level now, if we look at beyond organizations and we look at what's happening in the world today, um, and we look at the world as a global village, um, there are, quote, meetings all around the world between governments and um, organizations that are trying to make a difference, and um, what is happening here? Where is the natural flow here? Does it exist, or are we still using what I call the corporate governance model um, to try to make things happen in a world where so many different cultures are trying to meet?
3: Well, I I think that um, uh, it's exciting uh, that uh, there is a, a global village that is... Uh, uh, emerging and uh, there's a lot of bridge building that is is being done between cultures and uh, across cultures and internationally I think um, there's still some more international work uh, to be done I think that um, you know our older cultures uh, Asia and um the indigenous, uh, cultures, uh, the island, uh, peoples and, and, uh, the native peoples of North and South America and, uh, also of Africa is that, uh, there's, um, a, a real a sense of, um, of I think where we're going to be pulled together as a global village is already starting around the environment, but mm. it's also going we're pulled together around um, poverty uh, and economic uh, issues as well and that's why I think it's uh, really wonderful that uh, you know we've had the european U- Union as a uh, and also the the Latin Union. Uh, coming together um, uh, is because the, these are collaborative efforts uh, and uh, around really hard issues yeah. such as economy uh, and uh, this real pioneering work. And uh, so I think there's um, uh, there's an exciting uh, kind of uh, opening again uh for international work and and this is a part of the educational work that uh we need to become more savvy in it you know internationally what's going to be needed because our current generations um, and the future generations will be uh definitely global citizens uh and uh working with more uh, cross-cultural international, uh, issues and, and yet our educational systems aren't caught up with the future needs around more, um, multicultural awareness, um, multidisciplinary awareness, intergenerational, uh, issues and, and working with, uh, uh the generations, uh, we're, uh, unfortunately, the youngest culture, but we're also the most diverse culture. And and in that diversity, uh, uh, you know, we have more diversity than uh, any other culture. And uh, there's a lot of learning that can be transmitted there, uh, both around uh, national and international and cross-cultural mm-hmm. uh, issues that could be very, very exciting. But our work is to really uh, uh, start increasing uh, uh, cross-cultural and international awareness, and 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 to tool up and go up in conflict uh, 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 resolution skills or conflict transformation mm-hmm. skills.
2: Mm-hmm. And with that, that allow us to have conversations that um, have more meaning. Right. I'm wondering about. You said we have more diversity than any other culture, and as I look at some of the challenges that we as a culture experience, as we look at um, the different heritage cultures and how there's conflict or there's um, you know issues between um, Asian cultures and black cultures and Caucasian cultures, et cetera, et cetera, you know, European cultures in our country. And it seems like we even have a hard time getting along, you know. And yet we expect ourselves to be able to work with um, and engage with other countries, cultures from around the world. Um, how do we do that if we can't even figure out how to do it here in the United
3: States? Well, um I think that uh, we know more than uh, we think we do, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, because we've experienced it. We know where the uh, the uh, prejudices are. Uh, we know where the challenges are, mm-hmm. and uh, going global, you know, is just an amplification of local and nat- mm-hmm. national mm-hmm. issues. So it's. It's like, uh, we're going to take globally what we haven't resolved locally and nationally. Um.
2: That's scary.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, and there are positives as well, you know, because there are, are, uh, there's been, uh, uh, if we think about how many movements got, uh, generated in the, in the 60s that are now, starting to to be um, um, connected and woven together. The environmental movement started in the 60s. The interfaith movement started in the 60s. The feminist movement. The human potential uh, movement. The civil rights movement. Um, And so, uh, uh, you know, a lot was generated uh, uh, in that time about an increased uh, understanding of humanity. And now they are, are building bridges. You know, the interfaith movements are, are really uh, important um, uh, because of the religious issues that are uh, rising both locally, nationally, and internationally, and uh, the civil rights and the human rights movement mm-hmm. and the environmental movement and the human potential movement and uh, also um, taking a look at economically, we're, we have all the resources economically that we could serve a, a global village or community and, and that's going to be uh, another huge shift that's going to take place uh, within business and trade and uh, is already beginning uh, to happen. And so the
2: you say that it's going to happen um, is it are you speaking about what their focus now in corporate is very often toward looking toward the environment and how the organization or how the product is affecting the environment
3: oh i I do, and there's a, a you know the whole movement of of, of socially responsible um, investing and uh, all of that there are are. Uh, changes within the last decade that are starting to, uh, take a look at that.
2: You mentioned the women's movement that was started in the 60s. Yesterday was the International Women's Day. March is International um, Women's History Month. And I'm curious your perspective about where the as women as more women have moved into leadership roles uh, throughout the world, is there a gender difference, and what is the perspective from um, an indigenous view around um, leading from the feminine versus the masculine, or is there a difference?
3: Well, um, leading is not so much gender tied what is really honored is you know uh, leadership
2: (laughs) so people don't care whether it's woman or man they just want a leader
3: yeah you know that uh, there are always uh, women uh, leaders among families and there are always women leaders in communities and and um, there are youth leaders and there are elder leaders you know it's not age or gender tied and um and the, what is, uh, you know, um, which is one of the um, uh, millennium um, uh, directives of the United Nations is really bringing more um, uh, human rights to women and children worldwide, um, um, which is really, um, I, I think, Needed the, the women's movement, um, uh, really initially in this country was, I, th- I think should be called the animus movement. It was really with women, uh, reaching for their dynamic nature, but they sacrificed the feminine in the process. And the real, um, just in the last ten years, there's been a, a real shift where women now are, Missing <laughs> that where uh, they 've introduced into business more flex time, ability to care for children right. pregnancy uh, leave um, also uh, caring for elders leave and uh, and all of that, which is now reclaiming more of the of the feminine and not sacrificing and, and doing the both and now uh, so um, I think that's been very, very, very positive rather than um, um, it was needed uh, to claim the dynamic uh, uh, nature, but not at the expense of sacrificing the feminine. And I mm-hmm. think we've paid for that. And
2: it seems like there, there are practical matters that are driving that, i.e. You know, children and et cetera. Um, but what about the style? Around women leaders and why is there such a charge on this in our culture
3: Um, well I think that um, um, I I think it's kind of um, dangerous uh, not dangerous uh, dangerous is too strong of a word I think it's uh, too broad of an assumption to say that all women have a different style in leadership than men uh, or that all men have a different style than women. I think people have different styles. Uh, and uh, some women have more dynamic styles that might be attributed to uh, the masculine. Some men have more uh, relational leadership styles which could be uh, contributed to the feminine. But I think what's really true is that uh, when you're a leader, you have to have good relational skills and you also have to uh, have good manifestation um, results uh, skills, which requires that every leader is able to integrate both what might be considered uh the dynamic and magnetic energies within us or the yin yang energies within us uh uh but when we sexualize it to to men or women or genderize it then it takes it out of the humanity uh aspect
2: we have more to talk about with ancillaryans <laughs> we'll be right back
0: Listening to the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business.
1: Winners know how to activate that switch, and so can you. The Winner's Attitude with Jeff and Val G. Broadcast each Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The Winner's Attitude. Switch me on.
4: voice america business
0: from the stock market floor to your computer you're listening to voice america business
1: we appreciate you joining our leading conversations today if you would like to participate in today's conversation please call us now at 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 now back to your host cheryl
2: so we're speaking with Angelus Arian, and we were just talking about the women's movement and um, how women are viewed and how the feminine leadership is viewed, and feminine not necessarily being gender-based. Um, Angelus, can you speak a bit to what are some of the um, feminine ways of being, whether it's male or female gender,
3: um, that
2: are that seem to be adding a lot of value to leadership in general?
3: I would uh, call it more the magnetic um, energy uh, dynamic because some of us, um, when we put it into gender, then uh, uh, it becomes something else that it's not. But it's working with different energies. Uh, the dynamic energy is, uh, which we often attribute uh, to, to uh, in Asia they would call that yang energy and many of your indigenous Cultures they would call it sun energy, like the energy mm. of the sun, right. uh, and that, that energy we often say well is masculine, and it's our uh, anyone who's involved in any kind of manifestation, or whether they're male or female, uh, or creative project, has to use that dynamic energy. And women who've given birth. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the, uh dynamic process it's not a magnetic process they mm-hmm. are totally it's something that you cannot control okay. uh, and it's very uh, very dynamic and it requires in order to manifest anything that we have to come into our dynamic energy which is attributed to as yang or sun or Masculine. Mm-hmm. The magnetic energy, which Asians call yin, or the, the indigenous peoples call moon energy, or we sometimes miscall, um, uh, feminine energy, I see. uh, is, uh, it's just an energy, is the, uh, capacity, uh, to, uh, uh, uh connect, uh, the, to open to life's experience, to deepen, to integrate, uh, to synthesize, um, to uh, uh, bring uh, beauty into the world, uh, and also at the uh, same time to pass on rituals and traditions. So cutting uh, ribbon ceremonies for the uh The new job or, uh, the awards that we give is that magnetic energy. And it's the ability to pull opportunities, uh, and possibilities towards you to magnetize. Hmm. It's a Mm -hmm. magnetic energy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's, uh, high skills in networking and relationship building. And so, uh, again, it's not gender tied. A man can have incredible people skills and networking skills right. and um, and the same for uh, women.
2: The concept of magnetic energy is uh, at the forefront these days of conversation around the world because of the book The Secret. And um, I started laughing when I started hearing about this a couple of months ago because the secret is not a secret. (laughs) It's about the law of attraction. And it's been around for years. And I find it fascinating that suddenly there's this interest in this. And I think it goes beyond just good marketing by the publisher. Um, There's something about this that our society is ready to hear.
3: Right, right. And recycling through again. Right. Which is really wonderful. the law of attraction, or what uh, um, the physicist Brian Swim uh, says in "The Universe is a Green Dragon," when he says, "You know, the field of allurement," he calls it the field of allurement or magnetic attraction. Hmm,
2: the field of allurement.
3: Yeah.
2: So that's drawing people to you, alluring. Yeah,
3: yeah alluring. You. you know, based on where I am and what has fire and heart for me and I'm setting up a field of allurement of possibilities that uh, could come my way interesting so if you think about this
2: I, I want to go way back to the questions you were speaking about earlier and as we apply this um, if I'm a CEO and at the end of the day I'm looking at those three questions, what made me happy beyond the relationships today, what did I experience in comfort and balance and quiet, or where did I experience that and and who or what inspired me today I'm wondering um, where is ethics in this? How do you lay the um, the view of ethics over this?
3: Well, I think it's interesting the one thing uh, I have seen that uh, has always amazed me. I've been very blessed and fortunate uh, to travel in my work, and and have been uh, to over a hundred uh, different countries. And what I've I've found is that even though I don't know the languages, I can always uh, tell the in- integrity of an individual, or who who is kind, who is compassionate, uh, who is conscientious, who is clever who's uh you know uh, has an agenda mm. uh it, you you can sense that uh, all over the world I, I think there are inherent values of when we see the integrity of someone's personhood um uh, uh we see that and we sense mm. that, and well, that that's
2: that intuition yeah, open to to trusting your judgment,
3: right? Good yeah. judgment, mm-hmm. right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Right, and I I think that uh, uh, there's a a wonderful book um, called "Ethics for the New Millennium" by the Dalai Lama, and mm. in the uh, uh, later chapters of it, he he has um, uh, different areas of where we can really um, bring forward ethics and media and education and international work and and there's a vision there of where we can um, really uh, uh we all know when we're doing the right thing and we all respect when somebody stands up and says what's so uh and tells the truth. Uh Uh, We respect that. It garners such uh, respect. And we also know when we're, uh, uh, you know, um, influencing behind the scenes in not such positive ways.
2: And that really speaks to our need for leadership in this country as we move into becoming a global village. Angelus, this has been wonderful. I well, feel like we could talk you. for
3: two more hours. Oh, well, thank um, you so much for this opportunity and the oh, good work you're doing in the world oh, and, thank you. and providing uh, um, this uh, uh, this program, leading uh, conversations. Um, I just wish you all the success. Uh, you're very good at what you do. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Angela. That's all wonderful right. I'll just keep you on every week. <laughs> 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 I want to direct people to your website, angelasarian.com, and remind people that they can buy their your book there and of course amazon.com um, and your most recent book, The Second Half of Life, Opening the Eight Gates of Wisdom, and uh, many, many others that uh, I, I can personally recommend. Um, and I want to remind people that next week, um, my guest will be Betty Sue Flowers, co-author of the book Presence, um, An Exploration of Profound Change in People, Organizations, and Society. She's also director of the Johnson Presidential Library and Museum. And um, the week following that, we are going to have Richard Strozzi Heckler, and future guests will include uh, Richard Leiter and Fatima Galiani from Afghanistan. This has been a pleasure. I want you all to remember to think big because the world has become a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl with Weeding Conversation. Talk with you next week.